Hi, everybody, and welcome to Pod Stallions. I am Brian, and with me, as always, is my brother in watching dirty movies through scambled cable signals, Jason Lindsay. That's me. That's what I do. And we are joined by a guest that needs no introduction to this show, but I will do it anyways. Uh, Former Famous Monsters editor and director of In Search of Darkness 1, 2, and 3, David Weiner. How you doing? David? Hey guys, are you hang on one second. I just almost have the image here. Hang on, it's just coming through. Something's going uh it's hard to tell. I'm gonna have to come back to the television and look through the fuzz. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I actually watched Amityville Horror 2 through a scrambled uh cable <laughs> yeah. the entire film. And that one's um, that one's arguably the most uh uh perverted of the bunch because that's got lots of incest going in that one. It it was hard to see. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're here this week to talk. It's October, and we're here this week to talk about the monsters. Perhaps you've heard of them. Um, but before we do that, I know, Jason, you have a shout-out to go for. Yeah, I just wanted to take a minute and do a quick shout-out to our old pal, Rockford J, who uh, is a, a longtime listener uh, we mostly chat with him through, uh, you know, instant message or Facebook messenger and stuff. So we don't really ever talk, talk, but, um, mm-hmm. he's been going through some stuff recently that involves, you know, uh, up, upending his, his life in, you know, his home and everything he's got. And so he's kind of pulling yeah, moving his- sucks when you're a collector oh, Real- God. stuff he has. And so I, I came home, uh, yesterday to a lovely gift box filled with um, some ephemera, a couple of queen t-shirts, a little uh, container of some um, little spacemen figures, uh, a couple of wax packs of um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and and Gremlins, I think. Uh, The Starlog Scrapbook, Volume 4, no, Volume 2. And I'll tell you something. I sat and looked through this scrapbook, and it was as if I haven't seen this scrapbook in 40 years. And with each flip of the page i i knew the entire magazine <laughs> yeah yeah i was right back right yeah. yeah every image and what was coming and what was going to be said in the caption below it it was just it was just wild and i realized that for, for 1982 the amount of doctor who stuff that was in here and things that were like like the tv version of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy like this is part of the reason that i gravitated toward this magazine because it was they they did they did have a, a, a far reach in the, the geek stuff that they they talked about. But then the other couple of them are just like, you know, Star Wars, the, ma- the making of the world's greatest space adventure, the full movie from Screen Superstar. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, everybody had that one. There's another one that's Screen Monsters, the making of King Kong uh, from Outer Space, Star Wars from Darth Vader and Beyond, Superman 2 and the Kryptonian Fiends. Uh, the best one is Star Blazer. Mm. Oh, I remember that. Remember Star Blazer? Yeah. Okay, so this is November of 84. Star Trek uh, Enterprise 2 is on the cover. It was Kirk- sort of like the cracked of, you know, science yeah. fiction magazines. Yeah. Kirk yeah. talks about Star Trek uh, 4 and his new adventure. There's an interview with um, Shatner in here. Indiana Jones, what's next after Temple of Doom? Blah, 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 blah. And, of course, my favorite is the spread up front about Sheena and, uh, you know, how those movies are going to go. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and then in, 
And then in the Dune section, there's a really risque photo. A shirtless Kyle MacLachlan standing over a sheer shirtless, almost, Sean Young. Big, big wide spread on, on Dune. And it says something about it being, you know, possibly the biggest movie of the year. Um, let's see what it says. <laughs> it was not. It, it might be. Oh, I was optimistic. Yeah. Well, they had they had to sexify it up. They had to make it like sexy and and appealing to people who don't get. And, you and know, they did that with Sting and, and his metal sandy. briefs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but they just had it had the perfect quote. It was like, could it could it be? Here we go. The Harkonnen Speedo, by the way. Currently, yeah, I just saw them in the Venture Brothers. I never noticed that. Currently, uh, but I was watching it today, and the clones are wearing it. Sorry, Jason. The music is being recorded in Vienna by the rock group Toto. David Lynch and the De Laurentiis Company plan to begin shooting the next two Dune films, Dune Messiah and Children of Dune, back-to-back early next year. With the success of Dune, can film versions of previously unfilmable SF classics like Stranger in a Strange Land and The Stars My Destination be far behind? <laughs> yes yes they are far far behind. Behind. it still haven't happened but thankfully we got battlefield earth yes. yeah i just love the i love that you can just tell when these things were written like the optimism <laughs> oh, yeah. oh and the next year they're definitely going to do the foundation trilogy i mean now that all this, this space stuff is happening everybody i i, I want to interject and say i don't know rockford jay personally but he is a, a pal online he is such a he's a fellow geek oh, like kindred spirit absolutely he's absolutely uh, uh enthusiastic about everything i do on it came from blog and we have we have our seekers secret super secret uh spot on facebook and he's always active and on that and um you can just tell the stuff that he does is is uh is as passionate as we are about the stuff that we do and so shout yeah. out rockford J. yeah he really gets it and he loves it and he um he sees the good in everything and he um um he knows about a lot of stuff he really does you know, so thank you, Rockford J. I think all three of us are saying thank you for listening. We appreciate your efforts, and I appreciate it coming home to a nice gift basket um, on the doorstep. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Um, before we get into our subject today, too, David, I wanted to talk to you about the third installment of uh, In Search of Darkness. This is sure. uh, this is exciting to me. Um, I. Even if I, even if we weren't friends, I would be um, a big fan of these. Uh, the number one reason I like these is most documentaries, um, they they try to adhere to a theater time, you know. And I'm always left like thinking that could have been longer. I wish that was longer. I was just watching one on 42nd Street Cinemas, and it's 90 minutes, and I wish it was. I, I wish that movie was three hours long. But I don't have to wish that with the In Search of series, which you also have In Search of Tomorrow, uh, because you they generally are about four hours long. And I, I just applaud that. Well, thanks. Thank so, you. What are you covering in, in, in part three? Because the 80s are so crazy with horror. 
Uh, well, In Search of Darkness Part 1, they're all four and a half hours, and In Search of Darkness Part 3 is the longest In Search of Darkness, and we're now over five hours long. Wow. Uh, and, and that is a, an absolute direct response to the encouragement of uh, the fans and the backers who've said they could, they could watch this stuff mm-hmm. 24-7. Uh, and when we did In Search of Darkness Part 1, um, it was really uh, the heavy hitters of horror uh, with some eclectic titles mixed in. And, and when we got an opportunity to do Part 2, we tried to expand to more international uh, material and uh, much more sort of uh, uh, eclectic titles that uh, the, the hardcore horror fans would really recognize. Um, and I didn't know I was going to do a Part 3 until the response to part two was so positive. Uh, and so here we are at part three. It's the final installment of the In Search of Darkness trilogy when it comes to 80s movies. And so uh, this is essentially the, the when you go and walk into that video store, into the horror section, and you go to the furthest dusty corner with all those insane, amazing exploitation cover art staring at you. Um, this is what, uh, the, what we were at the point of the journey where we're doing all the shot on video, direct to video, a lot of the theatrical, a lot of the theat- but also a lot of the theatrical stuff that just we, we didn't get to cover yet. So you would think by now we, we would have talked about Serpent and the Rainbow or Monkey Shines, you know, George Romero. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, Wes Craven, even Deadly Friend, Wes Craven. Um, but, uh, you know, The Hand, Oliver Stone's first film with Michael Caine, Jaws the Revenge, you know. I watched that last week. <laughs> the Hand or Jaws Revenge? Jaws Revenge, I tried. I got exactly where I always get, and I turned it off. Oh, you didn't get to when the, when the shark roars. That's like No, I, I, but the, mind you, in my defense, I had been watching Jaws 3, and the disc also included Jaws 4, so I just Ooh. started again. But I tapped out. It, I just, I can't, I can't stand Jaws 4. <laughs> Understand, understandable, but it's actually very cool because uh, uh, Lance Guest, who is the oh, star wow. of Jaws 4... Uh, was happy to talk all about why that movie ended up being the movie that it is and that it started out as something that he thought was great and oh. reason- and, and a good script. And uh, I'll let him tell the tale in In Search of Darkness Part 3. But uh, as, as many a Hollywood production goes, when it's about to start, things change radically and then you're stuck. And then, <laughs> and then you're moping because the shark isn't working. Uh, so it, it was quite an experience for him. But uh, so we're, we're really we're, we're covering 79 titles this time around. And uh, it's, it's got a lot of international stuff. We also talk about Brian. I think you'll appreciate this. We, we dive a little bit into a lot of Canadian titles and, ah. t- and we talk about exploitation. Yeah, uh, the tax breaks that you got to make terrible movies. In that's right. Late <laughs> 70s, early 80s, there was incentive to make lots of, uh, you know, from David Cronenberg on down yeah. to make uh, to make these uh, amazing indie horror films because they had the money to do it and the tax incentives. So we're and talking so, like visiting hours and prom night and. And Prom Night and Death Ship and uh, oh, the, Gate, the Gates, Rock and Roll Nightmare, you know, the Cronenberg oeuvre, all that stuff like that. And uh, there's lots to chew on this time around. Uh, we have 50 new interviews. 
We bring uh, 20 uh, of our favorites back for more material that we never have seen or heard before. Because when I sat down with everybody, I sat down with everyone for two hours, sometimes three hours. And uh, it's it's just the ultimate celebration. And it's uh, it's really fun. It's it's as it's got the same team that did in search of part one and mm-hmm. sorry, search of darkness, part one and part two, uh, in terms of, you know, Samuel way editing. So it really flies and Paul Konchik doing the, uh, the, the graphics to make it look super cool and weary pines doing the soundtrack. That's got the synth wave feel. Um, CEO Robin block is, uh, allowed me to make the film that I wanted to make. And the film I'll lastly say about this is the film that uh, I, the fans wanted to make. You know, we surveyed all the backers uh, and the horror community, and we said, "We you demanded a third, so what do you want it to be? What right. do you want here? Uh, do you remember this part at all? Um, but we, we ultimately, uh, I, we picked everybody's brains, and, and there were write-in answers and, and polls based on the top 50, and I can confidently say that every single title in this film is something that was requested or voted on as Very something cool. to see. Yeah. So definitely a community endeavor. Yeah, and, and I, I'm hoping that In Search of Tomorrow gets a sequel because – the only regret I had in that one was you would, you know, th- you have that lovely video store scroll and I'd be like, oh, no, that one, that one, that one, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I, I had the the hope that there'll be another one where you'll you'll cover some of the more bizarre. Oh, uh, yeah. And, that, and, and much like the, the pattern for In Search of Darkness from one to two and now three, with In Search of uh, Tomorrow, the plan has always been. Uh, you got to really get the heavy hitters out of the way as a foundation first. And then the second one's easier because I could do the more eclectic and strange and straight to video and, and, and uh, knockoff style films and, you know, yeah. whatever, you know, Texas Gladiators 2000, that kind of stuff like that. Hey, well, not on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> so we're hoping to do In Search of Tomorrow too. Uh, the first one received extremely well and, uh, you know what? The, the 80s are a wonderful time. Like after you've got the horror and sci-fi genre, you could get the the 80s sex comedy. That would be a good one. Right? Uh, yeah. Wow. There's so much ground to cover. There's so much to do uh, that we would love to do and that people want us to do. And, oh, that's yeah. the, and that's the gift right there is that people have put their confidence in us and we've been able to deliver. And so uh, when people – you know, we're, we're so right now in search of Darkness Part 3, like you said, 80shorrordoc.com is where you can get it from now until Halloween. And if you show your support, you know, we get to make more movies like this. And so lastly, I'll say, and then we could talk all about the monsters, but I, sure. I um, what's cool about this is you can get the, you can get in search of darkness part three by itself or if you miss the trilogy you can get all three or if you have one or the other part one or part two but you don't have all of them in physical copies you can mix and match and, and put a whole set together and we've got a slip case for it which is really cool that's awesome um and and only now between now and halloween uh, you can get your name in the credits, which is super cool, or you put your podcast or your loved ones as a. But it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a keepsake, uh, and, and I'm, I'm doing one more thing in relation to that, 
And that's uh, because this is such a community-driven uh, narrative and, and all the choices of the content is, is entirely what the backers have asked for. Um, what I want to do also is I want to incorporate as many of the backers as we can in this film during the end credits. So what I'm asking you guys, if you want to, and what I'm asking openly is for people to record a, a brief testimonial about 80s horror and what they love about 80s horror, their favorite film or filmmaker, even in search of darkness in the franchise and what, what that means to you, whatever you'd like to do. Um, and uh, we're going to put as many as we can at the end credits. I can't promise all of them, but we're going to do, you know, they're long end credits. <laughs> so, but, but the way you can find that is if you go to all our socials at uh, 80s Horror Doc on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you know how there's a link tree. You click on that, and there's a, a link to show you exactly where to go and what to do to submit your video. So, uh, hopefully, by the end of the scroll, there won't be a dry eye in the house because it's going to be an emotional ride. Wonderful. And, Fine. you know, you have an amazing festival there now. You have your own festival. You have a 13-hour. <laughs> like, that beats that. Remember that Napoleon film? Yeah, it's a 14, it's 14 hours. Yeah. Together, 14 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Am I in the one that's tomorrow? Is that the one? Yeah. You're in search of tomorrow. You You are there talking about all sorts of cool things. Uh, and um, your your segment, which I put together, but I did not have room for, I will announce here, is is waiting to go in part two, uh-huh. where we talk all about the, uh, the cool collectibles of the era. And, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> in addition to, like, you know, talking all about, like, Dune toys and how they didn't quite know what how to market it and so on and so forth, um, you're amid a bunch of the uh, talent who are holding up their own uh, merch and responding to it, whether it's trading cards or, you know, uh, Billy D. Williams looking at the Burger King glass and seeing himself on it. It's good stuff. Cool. <laughs> as long as I get my name in the same credit spot as it was before. Right, right. You're, you looked out really nicely because you're in the top of the second row, right? Yeah, I was um, top and then all the names around me are Barbeau and, and Nancy Allen and Bruce Box Leitner and all these names. And I, I jokingly took a shot of it and put it up, put it on Facebook. And I was like, well, I finally get the childhood dream come true to work on something with these people. My God, people that I haven't talked to in 30 years were asking questions and thinking, <laughs> they're like, what, 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 was he, what, what did you do? What was he like? What was the, when is this coming out? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, must, they must have thought you hung out with everybody. Yeah, yeah, like it's a movie movie, like it's a scripted movie. Hmm. So, well, that's yeah. how it works. You all are, are hanging out on the soundstage, and then I call you one by one, you know, <laughs> to sit and talk for two, three hours. Right. No, they're now, great. Quite an achievement, and you should be – we're very proud of you, and you should be immensely proud of what you've done. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, next up is a good night's sleep. Oh, what's that like? (laughs) But before we get there. Yeah, yeah, let's help you get there by talking about the monsters. (laughs) We have just the recipe for you. Yes. Just the topic to put you You know what? Since we, yeah, I've had that. That is possibly the most earwormy um, 
sitcom theme ever. Like, I, you know, I've been uh, planning to do the show and I've been painting and doing stuff. And all day I've been like, Munsters came out in 1964. It, it September 24th, 1964 is the first episode. Mm-hmm. And I, I would imagine that it's due to the monster craze of the early 1960s by the, you know, the shock theater package. And, you know, I absolutely personally love horror comedy like this monster comedy. I think, I think you did you point out, I'm going to just jump in real quick before we really dive into it is that you point out the context. Uh, I think some people just think it just appeared to someone thought it was a good idea, but it is in response Mm. to, this whole craze where everyone was monster crazy from the universal monsters all the way through to present day in the sixties, you know, and even famous monsters, you know, jumping on that bandwagon and helping fuel it to Aurora models, all that stuff. It was, there was a monster craze balanced, I guess, with Beatlemania at the time. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. you know, sometimes mixed together, but um, so, really saw dollar signs and 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 merchandising and all sorts of opportunities with you know leave it to beaver by way of uh, a family of universal monsters yeah it's funny you bring up leave it to beaver because this show was filmed on the same street apparently um yeah yeah uh, there's well it's from it's from the say the people who created it were were the creators of bob mosher yeah right 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 yeah, the the guy that it's it's basically the people who did Leave It to Beaver wanted to poke at poke at the family, the core family, with uh, by having you know these friendly family of monsters. And, and I call them monsters because they're the monsters, but they are monsters, right? Yeah, and it's a fish out of water comedy. I, I don't think we have to explain it to our audience, but um, well, I mean it, the hook the hook kind of is that you know they look like they look. Yeah, you know, Herman Munster looks like Frankenstein's monster. Lily looks like a, you know, a vampire, uh, you know, lady of the dead or whatever. Grandpa's a vampire. Eddie looks like a little vampire, and then Lily. Just yeah, he's a little werewolf kid, right? Yeah, he's got a little V though in the front, where you, you don't know if he's what his deal is, but it's like a little ghoul. And um, <laughs> kind of like it's to me that one was like people would come over. And notice right away, whoa, what's who's with the guy? You know, they notice how big Herman was. And they, they kind of scared people as they kind of walked around. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, whereas some, when I, you can't, to me, you can't, it's hard to talk about monsters without, without mentioning Adam's family. Adam's family was more, it crept up on you. Like people would come over to the house and they think, oh, well, this guy's kind of eccentric. He's wearing a suit. Oh, the wife is really pretty. And that's an interesting dress. Once they got in the house and weird things started to happen with Uncle Fester and whatever, then it started to build. But I think with the Munsters, they were odd looking like wherever they went. But they, they were, thought they were normal. And they uh, thought yeah, where they the thought, Adamses, they kind of know they're bizarre. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think that's sort of the, the, the like that's the, the difference between the two. Yeah. Is in the comedy because the Adamses are are normal looking but weirdos. Like 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 so many of us, uh, I watch this as repeats. You know, uh, growing. Oh yeah. Up. <laughs> and, 
And 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 but I have to say I, I actually very specifically remember my evolution of figuring out the dynamic of the show based on Marilyn. You know, I slowly clued in that she was Marilyn because it was supposed to be supposed to be like Marilyn Monroe. And she's the beauty there. And they're always saying that she's got a handicap. And I never could understand why. I'm like, no, she's not in a wheelchair. She's not like using crutches. What's the handicap? I don't get it. And it was only until people would scream at the monsters and, and want to date Marilyn if they were outside of the house that it all kind of slowly but surely, you know, sunk into yeah. my mouth. Yeah, yeah, and she she doesn't notice them either. Like they're, they're normal to her too. Well, it's, so it's that's family part right? of the charm. Yeah. yeah. Wow, and, and I I have very fond memories of, of of this because, and well, I also have to add also that because I was so young and I loved monsters and the Universal monsters yeah. so much. I, I was always, and this is when I was very young, I was always irked at the title. I'm like, why isn't it called The Monsters? <laughs> <laughs> very, very liberal kid. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, I, I get that. Um, I can't even remember. I remember The Addams Family because my mom talked about it all the time. She loved Cousin It. And, um, you know, the, the, the but the... The monsters, I've just always kind of known who they were, and I can't remember where I ever saw it. But um, always a fan, always thought it was great. Uh, as a kid, I loved, you know, during the early 70s, you know, you did the Monster Squad. I had Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Uh, these kind of things were um, just, they just drew to me like a gravitational pull. Oh, yeah. And you we know, were... I, I love monsters. I would kind of get more fascinated with the guest stars and who at this point I'm not really recognizing, but I might see a guy and I go, Oh, that's Harvey Corman. He's on Carol Burnett. You know, <laughs> right. Some of the faces. But it's the it's the reactions. It's the people that are trying to take them for their money or they're trying to rob them or they're trying to pull a fast one. Um, but the the you know by the end of it their eyes are kind of pop, popping out of their heads and they're kind of comatose because they've seen too many things or something you know something too bizarre has, has kind of happened. The the writing was the writing was sharp in a in a very different way than I think Adam's family to me is a, is the the winner of the two, but the monsters was just more uh, I think there was a lot more physical comedy because of because of Herman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and just the basic things he needed to do, whether it's learning to drive or, you know, whatever those those basic things in the, living in the big city, you know, what they what they have to go through. Uh, you're taking the fish out of water and, you know, doing and, it. And speaking of fish out of water, I, I don't want to get too far without uh, recognizing Uncle Gilbert and whenever he would make his appearance, because I. <laughs> I always loved the fact that the creature of the Black Lagoon, who was just like full on monster, would like show up in his, you know, in his trench coat and his hat to yeah. pay it every now and then. To be interesting. Yeah, that, that was, uh, I was a huge creature kid. So that was, a, he, was a did he show moment. like a couple of times or did he come in every season or what? What was that? I, like? He uh, Probably not too often, but I think more than once. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I saw him. I just remember when I saw him because it was so memorable to see the creature in anything 
Yeah. I I, uh, I have to admit also that I really wanted like trapdoors in my own home. Uh, <laughs> I, def- I definitely, because we had stairs that would go up to the second floor, I wished that they opened up and I had my own like fire breathing dragon, you know, underneath there. I, I envisioned a lot of these things because I was so impressionable when I was watching this stuff. It was perfectly fine with my parents. They were like, oh, he's just watching TV and it's monster stuff. It's fine. <laughs> you know, but I but I would like go to the dinner table and I put my uh, my napkin on my chest, you know, like uh, Herman Munster whenever he'd sit down at the table. And he'd like remember that, you know, he his his dinner napkin was not something he put in his lap. He'd, he'd like it, it was like your standard Ralph Cramden kind of sticking it in your shirt. So you don't, because you you make a mess of your meal. So you you just want to cover your suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember this at all? Or, I don't know. This was this was unique for me. Um, th- that one's not ringing a bell, but you know, you bring up Herman, and I I honestly see him as the fulcrum of the show. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I don't know. Fred Gwynn is such a hard act to follow. He he imbued that with such um, innocence and, you know, Herman's like a child, but he, he he's also, you know, he's not, he, he's, he, it, it's such a, it's such a, a, a layered performance. It, it's, it's more than the concept deserves in some, in some regards, but it's just such a perfect. Um, well, I don't character. think, I don't think you realize how good he was and what he was doing until you see him in other stuff. And as the years went on, you know, I'd see him in on the waterfront or, um, you know, a, a, a straight part in something, just, just a, a random show that he showed up in. And, you know, he had the low voice and he had the, maybe he'd do a Southern accent sometimes, kind of sometimes he'd do like a Brooklyn thing, like car 54, but there was something totally different. He was doing with, with Herman. He was making mm-hmm. him kind childlike like you said and but it was the way he was using his mouth like he would do that thing and i loved watching it as a kid but because he had the black lines that Mm -hmm. that, (laughs) and always kind of down in the corners as if he was kind of hmm you know thinking about something or 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 being a little anxious and then he'd lick his lips a lot he'd go now now yeah and 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 you it was as if you were in the room it was Uh it was so specific, you know, like he, he just, there, it was, it was a joy to watch him talk in the show. And mm. then, you know, and then he might get excited or do the laugh and kind of put his arms in front of him and wave his arms and stuff. But he just, and then when you, when I'd finally see him in something else, I went, Oh my God, I can't believe it's the same guy. Oh, well, I, I personally couldn't be based on just his stature. I couldn't get beyond Herman at all. Like I, I'd see my cousin Vinny and I just saw Herman Munster. Yeah. Yeah. It, really, it really wasn't until Pet Cemetery that I I, I personally uh, welcomed him as a different type of character, yeah. you know. And I quote him all the time. You know, sometimes dead is better, you yeah. know. But yeah. but it's more Bartles and James than Fred Gwynn, you know. So. But I'd imagine that's <laughs> I never what thought of that Bartles and James. <laughs> I'd imagine that's what that's what you know hung over his neck for the next 30 years of, of acting for him that that's all anybody saw or was that yeah. that role but but now here's the thing the show comes on would you say november of 64 uh-huh show premieres that's september it, of 60, 60 september the fall of 64 
Yeah. Is it a hit like right out the gate? It is. Um, and it's lar- the the its cancellation is largely blamed on Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the next big thing coming along and well, because it changed, changed the time slot. And so because yeah. oh. because Adam's family was was airing concurrently at the same time as well, but they weren't been battling time slots. But Batman came along and basically just derailed it. At least that's what Butch, Butch Patrick had said. Yeah. Well, it was a 730 show and I think Batman aired at seven and seven thirty. I don't, I don't remember. Wait, wait, uh, there's only got one season. Two seasons. Two seasons in the monster. Seventy episodes. Yeah, okay. seventy episodes, which is crazy. When you you know, I usually think a season is twenty six episodes, but um, you know, this was early sixties, and uh, that made it a syndication smash. Right. Yes, but it does. But it get, it gets it gets merchandise in its lifetime while it's oh absolutely it. oh tons so, yeah and, it, it, and, it, and it, great stuff. We did have a, have a lot of stuff, much more so than the Adams family. We had. There was a talking string doll. There were there were little Remco dolls with the big heads. There were model kits. Like, you know, it was kind of those were hot items at the time, right? Lunchbox. Yeah. Um, the um, when we did Toy Ventures issue four, it just so happened that Corey Lachat, who works on the magazine with me, um, he was friends with one of the biggest monsters collectors in the world, and uh, that guy had passed away and. We did a tribute to him and his monsters collection. It's amazing the amount of stuff that got made in those two years. Um, I, well, I, you know, the, the merchandising, it, the explosion. I think. I mean, it's not like it started then, but uh, you know, in the sort of post fifties, Roy Rogers lunchbox kind mm. of. Um, I think everyone by that time was incredibly savvy in terms of the uh, the lunchbox. Uh, uh, you know, the toyetic opportunities you know to absolutely and every, things that were on tv every week were commercials you're mm-hmm. you're totally right and and uh and i have one of these myself a little diecast version of it but uh you know we have to make sure that we talk about the the george barris custom you know monsters coach if you remember right. that and that thing was awesome. And, and I loved how, you know, I, I only realized then that, you know, drag racing and these sort of funny car uh, 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 culture was imbued in the designs there. But I read that uh, they, they turned that car around. They needed a functional car. That was cool. Uh, it, they, they turned it around in 21 days. <laughs> it's wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's- and the Dragula, too, right? Um mm-hmm. Which was um, was that only featured in one episode, the Dragula? Probably, That's yeah. Crazy that did, did you would they build a car for one episode. Did they make a diecast of, of the coach? I know it was made as a model kit, but did they do? Yeah, a I'm holding it. I'm holding it in my hands. Racing champions made it. So Art dot com. And it's diecast. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm not sure I knew that. The one that I'm holding in my hands, I kid you not, I got. From the George Barris um, estate sale. Oh, cool. <laughs> so maybe they weren't as common. I don't know. You know, but of all people to have it, it would be George Barris. Oh yeah, uh, totally. I've seen I've seen the life size one uh, before he passed, and then after he passed, George. You know, of course, everyone who's listening knows George Barris, but he's obviously most infamous, famous for uh, you know the Batmobile. 
and and all these amazing cars, the monkeys and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, he had an estate sale and he had so many toys that he just had in his possession based on his cars. So it's just like I couldn't resist picking up a Munsters coach. I I wish I had gone to that because he had a couple of very rare Amigo Batmobiles. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing pictures of his collection years ago. And, and then going like, oh my did, god, that's rare. <laughs> they did a model kit of the Dragula too, or of the coach and the Dragula, right? Oh sure, yeah, I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty sure they've done more than one. I mean, back then, I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying in the life, because I'm trying to figure out the 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 merchandise that gets made in the life of the show, how long that's sort of out there for, and then when syndication kind of happens, and when that lines up more with the 60s monster thing. And then I don't know if we get a lot of monster stuff. We get them, you know, round the clock on television for all this time. They seem like they've yeah. never gone there. But um, there hasn't been a ton of merchandise until, I don't think it really happened again until about 30 years ago. When they, you know, pe- you know companies like Applause and stuff like that were, were doing monster stuff. Yeah, I, I think the 80s uh, kicked it off. But you're, you're right. I mean, the 90s were really a... Uh, a golden era for that kind of merchandise. Um, now, the monsters never really kind of went away, though, because we also got a feature film mm-hmm. um, around this time. Did and monsters go home or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember being really excited to watch that. Um, in my neighbor, in my neck of the woods, uh, you know, we used to have a Rochester station called Channel Two. We probably still have that channel, uh, but they used to have. You know that movie for the afternoon thing they would do mm-hmm. Halloween monster movies every October, and um, that was like event television for me. And <laughs> you know that's where I saw War of the Gargantuas, Reptilicus, Frankenstein oh, Conquers the stuff. World, like all mm-hmm. these amazing films. And um, one one day it was Monster Go Home, and I'll never forget it. I, I just I couldn't get over them in color. You know? <laughs> right. I didn't yeah. like seeing him green. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't wrap my yeah. brain around that. I was so used to the black and white look. Yeah, it was, I remember it was kind of mind bending to see it. And then, you know, I think they're talking a little bit about Herman's history in that one. You find out he was adopted by the Munsters. Uh, you know, just just like this, this was mind blowing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen the film since I was a kid, believe it or not. Um, I have to tell you, though, in terms of this, um, I don't – this is just me. I don't need to know anything about Herman Munster's history. I'd rather have it be a mystery. I, I, I'm Clearly, he's Frankenstein's monster. So that's all I need. Like, I already know the story. Like, uh, Okay, I, I, I agree with you on that. And this um, is it's pretty preset. Appreciate the present and not the mystery of, or the, you know, the unraveled past revealed. You know, yeah. certain, certain, certain goofy uh, face value sitcoms. I just don't need that more. I just want good jokes and raucous. I need to know the what you're You don't need an origin story, is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't. Well, I would really like the this, Welcome Back Cotter origin story. You're in luck because mm. one just a couple weeks ago. But we'll get there. We'll get to that new origin story um so yeah oh, can i ask you guys before we move on because we're talking a lot about adam's family as well if you had to choose between 1313 mockingbird lane or what are they double zero zero one cemetery lane one cemetery lane 
where the Adams family live. If you could choose the Adams family house or the Munsters house, where would you want to live? Uh, I'd probably I, want to live in the Adams family house. I take the Adams family house. Yeah, it's probably mm-hmm. just, it's probably got some secret compartments and there's probably some good liquor in that house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just all the all the, the medieval stuff that he, that he was into and all the weird gear that was there and, the you know, the torture devices and um, yeah, that's true that they I, use I, for relaxation. The Munster's house to me always just was like a classic haunted house to me. Yeah. And I loved I loved how every time they showed the exterior, it was never a, a, a sunny, beautiful day. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was always like heavy, breezy winds and just like ready to rain. And, and uh, that was the appeal for me. Yeah. I think my I mean? single favorite thing ever on that show is an episode where a guy's picking on Herman mm. at work. And he works for John Carradine, which I just love. Um, but I think they tell Herman to assert himself, you know, and he's like, that's, you know, I'm going to go there and tell that guy off. And just as he's doing that, one of the guy who's picking on Herman is standing in the office. And this guy goes, another coworker goes, why are you picking on Herman? And he goes, ah, because he's an idiot. And he goes, have you looked at him? And the guy goes out to the window and watches Herman walking to work. And there's two cars parked too close to each other and Herman can't cross the street. So he moves both cars. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I find that really funny because the guy just gets a sick face and then Herman comes in and stands up to him and the guy's pooping his pants. That's great. That's the, that's the comedy of the monsters, you know, like yeah. that's the absurdity of it. And that's, that's what makes it wonderful and sweet. And um, yeah. And that, he was, you know, he was kind of sweet and dumb and, and Lily's, yeah. Lily's in control. Lily yeah. is, Lily is in control of that house of that family. She is, um, she's where it's at, you know, and it's a nice dynamic that, that she's looking after him you know, forgetting his lunchbox or just, you know, treating yeah. him, you know, treating him like a baby or a kid, you know, and but but loving him, you know, to bits. Um, and Grandpa, I can never tell if Grandpa liked Herman or if he did, if he if he, you know, just he was someone to hang out with because he get didn't want to have to deal with his daughter or what what his deal was. Or he was just always there to, you know, it seemed to be a little fair weather, like just like friends yeah. by proximity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I have, but I have to say, uh, Lily might may have been my first like, you know, tingly feeling. I was just like, oh There's wow, something about her, you know. And I, 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 ironically, it wasn't Marilyn. I, I went straight for the goth. She, yeah, I, no, I, I, I agree. That. Same thing. I think there's yeah. something about her that she was one of my early crushes too. She just the black lipstick and the and the just just the white skin. I don't know. And I. It, it, may, it might be a goth girl thing. I don't know, but um, it definitely made me feel a little, a little fluttered. The only way I could win any argument with you guys is to completely side with you, right? Um, yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same boat. Um, it, there, there's something to it, and and Lily's. Uh, uh, so an we icon. got the movie. We got the movie, which I think I saw once, maybe when it yeah, aired. I've only ever seen it once. But then we got a TV special once because the, the show only runs two seasons. It never. Well, we got we got a cartoon pilot in the seventies that um, I don't remember, but 
I believe Al Lewis actually did voice Grandpa in it, mm-hmm. uh, called the Mini Monsters. That I don't know if I've ever seen. Was it? Did it air? or Did they just make a pilot? It was a one-hour special, seventy-three. Oh, yeah, I didn't... ABC did all these weird, like one-hour. Sp- There's a Lost in Space one too, where they got Jonathan Harris to voice Doctor Smith. Um, it's even... like they were experimenting with bringing. You know how they would try to bring back like my favorite Martians and yeah. Gilligan's planet and that sort yeah. of thing. I, I think they, you know, they were trying to explore that and um, the monsters didn't make the cut, even though you'd think they would uh, for a Saturday morning show. But then, yeah, well, we got this. Uh, I was going to say, going to just say the, re, you know, the repeats really did give it a life of its own though. It's almost oh, yeah, like, absolutely. like Star Trek. I think, I think a lot of, uh, popular 70s shows that were reruns of shows in the 60s, the the, the rerun dynamic uh, fueled so much more where people just said, we've already done it. We don't have to make more unless they want to make a TV movie or a special or bring it back. But it's like it's already there, you know, and I think they 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 uh, they saw dollar signs. I just it's, it was all through my childhood. I just know in the afternoon it was. Adams family or monsters than the Adams family, you know, like yeah. in, in a one hour block, they played them back to back and, you know, battle of the planets and, you know, doctor who, when it was syndicated before it went to public TV, you know? Um, but those two were like must sees every day. And it seemed for years, it was, they always ran in the afternoons. every afternoon. They ran those shows, you know, it seemed unlimited too. Like you know, yeah. you would see repeats every now and then, but for the most part, it always seemed new. There always seemed to be a new episode. Yeah, and I don't know when I first saw it, but it it was probably an after school thing, and I went, "Oh, this is." They might have run the Adams Family. Wait, did the Adams Family have a cartoon on Saturday yeah. morning? Uh-huh. It did. Yeah, it actually did. And Jodie Foster was Wednesday. Oh, <laughs> the voice of Wednesday. Yes, yes, yes. I might have seen some of that before seeing a show, maybe. I don't know. But um, but then the Munsters did. So then the Munsters did a a TV special in color. Did they not? Munsters Revenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's um, I want to say it's 19. I think I was in fourth grade. I remember it really well. Um, and it for me really bugs me because uh it doesn't it, it leans too far into um a plot that like the, you know the original monsters was always about like parent teacher night and it was it was a normal sitcom with abnormal people but the monsters revenge is a like a monster caper film and for me something's lost in that uh, i don't know what you guys feel about it yeah, every every time they they try and expand it to make it a bigger thing because it's a it's an opportunity to make a movie. Um, I feel like it's the fish out of water people who are already fish out of water, and you put them in a new. They're fish out of water times two is what I'm trying yeah. to say. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like it's like you're not used to them seeing them in that sort of scenario, and yeah. so it kind of takes you out of familiarity is which is what you love and 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 cling to. And uh, while that's new and different and stretching the, the characters in the story, it doesn't necessarily make for an enjoyable experience, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it goes back real quick just to say, it. you know, 
some some things I just want it to be exactly. I want my bread and butter to be the same every single day for certain <laughs> things. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah I, I I remember uh, the most interesting thing was I remember it well as a kid and I liked it, and then I bought it on DVD for my kids because we we have an eight hour drive to grandma and grandpa's place and uh, I picked it up and thought, well, here's, here's two hours of that drive. (laughs) And they liked it a lot, but I couldn't get over like, you know, it's got robots in it. And um, who's the Dr. Diablo in that movie? Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh, uh, Sid Caesar. Yeah. Sid Caesar's the best guy, but um there's a guy playing the Phantom of the Opera in it. Cousin Phantom. It's it's the same <laughs> guy who did the voice of um, uh, Commissioner Gordon. Bob Hastings. That's who. Mm-hmm. It is. And um, yeah, it's just it's just too weird. It's the, the, I didn't ever want to see the monsters have adventures. I guess mm-hmm. is where you know what I mean. Um, I don't think I even. I don't think I remember this actually. Yeah. It's it's a weird it's a weird movie. Um and of course they've done that thing where, you know, it's what like 10 years later but um Marilyn and 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 Eddie are still the same age for some yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like it's like, you know, these these Brady Bunch specials and and mm. you know, less and less were all the Brady's the original Brady kids. You know, Jan, right. first it's Jan is different than, you know, uh, uh, Bobby Brady is different. And by that, that, that time, it's just the parents, you know, yeah. uh, it, it's it, it's that sort of thing where it's like, why come back if you can't have the original folks? And um, I don't know. I think, you, you know, you're talking about the robots and all the crazy stuff like that. That's also sort of, uh, you know, we're, we're living at that era in like a Sid and Marty Croft universe where kiss meets the band yeah. of the park is really kiss in concert and then battling robot you know yeah doppelganger and, and, so and, and like, that's also the era of harlem globe trotters on gilligan's island which yeah, exactly like, how do we make gilligan's island stupider you yeah know, like <laughs> well ele- ele- elevated by martin landau but i doubt yeah that. martin yeah. landau's lowest point martin landau career. and barbara bain just the worst lowest point of <laughs> yeah yeah like i i have a copy of without warning um mm-hmm. and landau apparently shot that in five days and that is not a low point <laughs> anymore <laughs> like well know, he gives it at all no matter what he's, he's, he's doing a, a great job player. but yeah i would have yeah, to without say, warning, it's actually it's actually not a bad i mean it's it's a bad movie but it tries but the globe Harmon, the globe trotter thing for him to just take it he had to work and he's taken yeah. a, you know, yeah. Matt this part. And, and that's the thing. He was I'll never basketball. When, why, why cast him? Oh, wait. <laughs> when they, when they were doing Ed Wood, I remember an interview with Tim Burton and saying, you know, as, as you know, he'd met with Landau and Landau would read the script and he really enjoyed the bit about the, the squid, the big octopus that had, yeah. didn't <laughs> work. Yeah. and, uh, you know, Burton was like, I, I think he completely related. He totally. Related <laughs> yeah, he'd been there to a guy who had, you know, been I think he was from the actor's studio and he worked with Hitchcock and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of big, big movies. And, you know, it's like Bela Lugosi had, <laughs> had everything going for him. And and there's where he ends up and that he, he felt 
he understood the character because he'd sort of been there. Like this is some days you're up, some days you're down, but at least he's got a paycheck that's gonna you know, that's, he can cash. The the scene with the the scene with the octopus is him just thinking about the Harlem <laughs> Globetrotters. On right, Gilligan's Island and Harlem Group. Yeah, working through you that. Know, the, the, the funniest thing about out. the Munsters Revenge is that Al Lewis, Al Lewis really embraced being Grandpa Munster. Uh, he even had a restaurant in New York called Grandpa's. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he told and tall tales. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, um, that that it's it's always funny when you have that one cast member who's complete. Like you know, I don't think Fred Quinn uh, totally embraced um, Herman, but I, I do think that Al Lewis was completely fine with being. Oh yeah, with being oh, yeah. grandpa. Yeah, we, everyone, everyone had him. Everyone called him Grandpa Lewis. Oh, he'd come on on radio stations in New York. I remember growing up, and he was pretty much. I was excited because he sounded just and acted like Grandpa. Yeah, you know? so. yeah. I don't. Th- I don't think he was. I don't think he was stretching <laughs> to play Grandpa on the show. Well, that was the that was the smart bit is because Car Fifty Four, Where Are You, was pretty popular. I mean, prior to the because that was pre Monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Getting those two to be in the same show, they're kind of like. Well, we got these guys. We'll put them in again. Put them together again. They're in the, you know, people love them in the other show being goofy. Put them, put them in this thing. That was kind of smart. Yeah, it totally you know? worked. They had chemistry. They had chemistry. And uh, we never have to talk about the Car 54 movie reboot. Ah, uh, no. that that did happen. I do recall that. Yeah, uh, I want to say, I want to say it had uh, Buster Poindexter was in it. Uh, Oh, good, good pull. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, think he, I think he was in it. Yeah, and I, I think know who the other uh, one what's his name from Scrubs there? Uh, John, John, oh, I can't remember his name. You'd know him if you saw him. He was the other one. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. But was there anybody like else that was a dream? <laughs> were there anybody besides Uncle? What was he called? Cousin Cousin Willie? What was he called? Cousin <laughs> the guy Uncle the guy Gil? Talking about Uncle now. Gil Uncle Gil Was there anybody else that was so semi? Yes. Uh-huh. Like, um. Well, they they created their own characters. You had things like Zombo, uh, and there was a robot in a, that actually makes an appearance in the new movie. Um. But I don't think that a lot of universal monsters really appeared other than our principals and Uncle Gil, unless I'm unless I'm wrong, David. No, not really. Not really. Yeah. They, they were they were the they were the novelty, really. Yeah. So, um, uh, if anything, I think uh, um, the Adams family, when you'd have like the likes of Cousin It showing up and things like that, that was, or, you know, that thing thing falling in love or what have you it's uh that was sort of what made it a little different and odd for those guys wasn't there one which had all kinds of uncles and aunts that were amazing yeah Yeah. was there one where 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 herman took a took a potion and got normal kind of he was still big but he he sounded smart or he sounded normal or something am i crazy familiar yeah i haven't seen every like i probably have seen every episode of the munsters but not in a row, and, you know. Uh, Not so fresh. That's, yeah. If you did, 
do you guys um, do you guys want to go into the uh, the monsters uh, uh, reboot and continuation and re you know reattempt territory? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it just refused to die, and uh, the next one, I think the next one was the monsters today, which I saw twice, I think, in my life. Now, is this the one with Edward Herman? No, 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 no. We're not there John, yet. That's sir. the one with that's the one with John Shuck. Yeah, it's Shuck. got. Oh, John yeah. Shuck, um, Lee Merriweather, um, and Howard Morton, who was the, he was off Gimme a Break. He was the um, kind of wimpy uh, assistant to the chief of police. You know, what's his name there? Dolph Sweet. Who, if you've ever looked at Dolph Sweet's IMDb, it's like Captain, Lieutenant, Sergeant, Captain, Lieutenant, Sergeant. Like, he was just born to play cops. Um, but, yeah, I this show actually lasted three seasons and has more episodes. Yeah, lasted longer. Monsters. I, 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 uh, remember, I remember giving it a try, sampling it. And I remember mm-hmm. John Chuck knowing him from, like, Holmes and Yo-Yo. Yeah, uh, and, and Macmillan and Wife. Right. And uh, and Star Trek, big screen Star Trek, too. He played a Klingon. Right, yeah, he was a Klingon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Star Trek for putting Kirk on trial. Not not Kirk on trial, but he was sort of taking him to task after all that stuff. Justice! But I yeah. digress. Exactly. But I digress in that I remember really trying to give him a chance. And I remember he just looked too much like John Shuck. And I, I you know, it's like, <laughs> you know. He still Herman does. Munster, you know, and, and we'll get to it as well. But I mean, it's such an iconic look yeah. that any anyone trying to look like Herman Munster and not just, you know, Frankenstein's monster, uh, if they don't look like the original, it's it's it seems too far off for me. It just throws off my my meridian, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I um, only saw it when I was on vacation. Because it didn't air in Canada, or at least where I lived. Um, but I saw it when I was in Florida, and I saw two episodes, and I remember thinking, "This is hee-haw." Um, <laughs> I, I did just—that's how I felt about it. And um, you know, there was just this. First of all, I couldn't stand Howard Morton as Grandpa. It just didn't work for me. Um, and you know, like it, it, there was a thing where he was supposed to be making out in a, with a girl in his coffin. And it just, it was so, God, this is bad, you know, uh, cringe. I know the, the show has its fans, but it's it's no new monkeys, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, you know, it's like when your kids watch the movie, you know, if it's new to you, uh, then it's probably fine or at least passable. Um, yeah. I, I try and keep that in perspective with all these all these reboots and requels and whatever you would call them these days. Sure. Um, you know, and and again, we'll get to, you know, Rob Zombie's The Monsters shortly. Mm-hmm. But 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 I I try and look at it from the lens of there's an audience that this is their first exposure to it, and maybe it's not so bad, or at least maybe they like it. And you know, if, if they are fine with the Jar Jar Binkses of uh, you know continuations yeah. sagas, then yeah. all power to them. But it, it is very hard, and I I remember The Monsters today very specifically as. I, oh, more, new monsters! Wait, it's not the originals, but I'll try it. Oh no, I don't like this at all. Yeah, and, and it seems I, like it's like stage theater, you know? It's like a yeah. Stage- it, well, it was cheap 
syndicated television like Small Wonder or, you know, you're not going to get the production value or the writing. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm of the mind that remakes don't take away the original in any way. It still no, exists. It's the soul away, like taking a picture. No. Yeah. And I can I can take or leave them. And, the, you know, like I can also I, I have a very good power to ignore things. So, you know, not once have I put on an episode of the Munsters and gone, oh, the Munsters today has ruined this for me. You know, no, it, it's still it's still there. It's fine. Apples and oranges. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fine. And there was no way you were going to get that cast back to do a, a cheap syndicated show. It's, you did, know, like there's nothing's being taken away from me. You know, did you guys um, go out of your way to check out Mockingbird Lane when that came out? Finally, I did. after. Yeah, I did. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Don't we have to? Did we all? Did we go past the one with Edward Herman and the one with Robert? No, no. We're we're gonna go to that. The the early '90s. There was also. I don't know if you guys heard this, but I I heard a rumor in the early '90s that they were gonna do a big budget monsters film, and it was gonna have Devito and Schwarzenegger. (laughs) And I remember thinking, great casting on Grandpa. Please, God, no on Herman. Like, you know, <laughs> I think DeVito could pull off an amazing grandpa because he's a good actor. But like I would Herman, see that if it was an SNL skit. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, that sounds like the kind of rumor that would come out of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, it's kind of great. Then when, when was the when one instead of that, we got the TV movies from Fox in 95. And I, I remember where I was when I watched these. And then you have, as you guys have said, Edward Herman, who a lot of people believe may have been the best he, of he, the follow-ups. He was. He totally was. Yeah, he was. He was pretty good. He, he never overplayed it, and he was really good. And he, he yeah, all and he he had the eyes right and the mouth right. He did a he did a good job. And then Robert Morley, I think, was the was grandpa. Robert, Robert Morris from St. Elsewhere. Yeah. Robert. Yeah, Robert Morris. Robert Morley. He's a fat yeah. British actor. Sorry. Robert, <laughs> Robert Morris. You were able to identify Robert Morley after getting that. That's right. Yeah. That's impressive. Robert Morris, Robert Morris was great, too. I mean, it was a weird thing for, you know, he's such a distinguished actor. and he's Yeah, and I've never so seen him do anything comedic. So that was strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Christine Taylor played Marilyn, and Marilyn's last name in that movie is Hyde. So you kind of get the connection. Ah. Um, yeah. Um, I remember thinking that was pretty okay. I, I I remember I think it it's actually an origin movie again, where they move to you know the state. So, uh, but I I thought it was kind of funny. I I have I very remember, little memory of it, but yeah, I remember seeing a couple episodes going. This is not bad. Like this. Well, this, it was it was just two movies, wasn't it? Or yeah, two movies. They did a a Christmas movie the next year, but then. It didn't have. It had a new cast again. Oh, okay. Because I know I saw some of the Edward Herman and Robert. Yeah, Morris. I did too. Yeah, and I, I remember I thought, them flying to the states. I, I thought that this got got some of the spirit of what the show was to me. Yeah. It was the closest yeah. to anything I'd seen. Yeah. And then, well, and then um, Veronica Hamill as uh, Lily, I think, is pretty inspired casting, at least for that. Too. That's from saying from saying elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. Another saying elsewhere. That's weird. 
Is he on St. Elsewhere? Uh, no, 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 sorry. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Hill Street Blues. Yeah. Street I'm thinking Blues. Robert Morrison. Oh. I'm thinking St. Elsewhere. But no, Veronica Hamill was Hill Street Blues. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that seems serendipitous. <laughs> and then the Munsters kind of goes, I think, kind of blank for a while. Yeah. There, and this is this is something I want to bring up now because uh, it's going to come to haunt us later. But the Wayans brothers mm-hmm. get a hold of the property, mm. and I can honestly remember going, "Oh God, no!" You know, um, mm-hmm. if you not that this is the Talmud or the you know token, but it just will not be treated with any fairness. Well, they wanted the to, well, they, want, they wanted to in living colorize the, the the comedy of it, but apparently they didn't they didn't want to appear in it anyway. They were just going to produce it. Yeah, I know, but still, I mean, have you seen a scary movie? Um, you know, I mean, I love I'm going to get you sucker. That's possibly <laughs> you know one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, one of that the, by the scary movie franchise. They made me laugh, but it's more like because they're they're always it's 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 just a running gag of satires of other yeah. films. That, yeah, that it's it's usually lowest lowest based humor, but sometimes it, yeah. it sometimes it's stuck. But it's quite disposable. Um, you yes. know what I mean? Like I I laughed at them too. Um, and and my God, they were way better than the other imitators out there, but. You know, this is something that doesn't have that throwaway gag humor to it. And um, it would have it would have really, I think, been a bad fit. <laughs> and we, we would be glossing over that as quickly as possible. But, yeah, I guess the next thing really was like, what was this, like 16 years later, the monster, the Mockingbird Lane from Brian Fuller. Uh-huh. Yeah, such a pushing, pushing, Daisy, pushing Daisy's creator and yeah. Hannibal, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I remember I was working at Topless Robot at the time, and this was like a big deal. And I, I they canceled it, but the pilot aired as a Halloween special, I think. I remember yeah, watching yeah. it. Well, I think, I think before you get into the minutia of it, Pushing Daisies was like a big hit. Yeah. You know, and 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 it was quirky and it was funny and it was offbeat and it was left of center. And so it seemed like maybe a natural fit to turn, you know, the monsters into desperate housewives or something like that. Uh, I'm just talking about on paper. I'm not validating that. <laughs> yeah, OK, but, but that was I think that was the excitement about it. But apparently it like 10 million dollars in development went through and before they ever it, it changed. Apparently it changed from one house to another and ended up at Universal, but it didn't start there. And so, but it's they, it's, the, it's indicative of that whole thing where somebody that's been working for a little bit gets a little bit of success, and then suddenly it's like, well, what do you want to do? You can do anything you want, and they treat people like they're they're geniuses or that they're just these these auteurs that come in with visions and stuff. Brian Fuller's a one-trick pony, as far as I'm concerned, and and half the time I think other people come in creatively on things like Hannibal, because in my understanding of of him from people that have worked with him and near him and network-wise, absolute nightmare of a human being. 
just in 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 every way. And this Mockingbird Lane thing, like really putting his foot down about how great this thing is. And I wa- whatever they showed us, I watched it. If we only saw that, like it was a premiere and we got one episode, I think we got more than one though. I think I think it, I think it they 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 kind of canceled it, but still it still they, ran. They aired, they aired the pilot episode. And and they just didn't know what to do with it, and they wanted to recoup their investment, and so it just never went to series. But they they spent so much time on it. Brian Brian Singer uh, directed it as well. I never saw it, but I've seen like images and trailer, and and the fact that uh, Eddie Izzard is grandpa, you know, yeah. has potential. But it still doesn't feel like the monsters. It feels like. But that's the thing. It wasn't. It not only was it terrible. It would be terrible if it was called, you know, you know, dwarf piss freaks. You call it. <laughs> well, wait it, a minute. It, I it, look, it, I've watched that trilogy. Terrible and terribly yeah. done. But the fact that you're using the IP of the monsters, and you just go, why didn't you just make something original? Because this, it's it's so far. You know, it's like it's like saying let's do a let's do a monsters, but here's the catch. They're not monsters. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, out. hear me out. They're not. <laughs> okay, but but but, 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 but at this time, at guys. this time, there was a show that said we're going to do Superman, but he never puts on. He's the not allowed to fly. And that lasted ten years. Jay. Well, it wasn't called Superman, though. It wasn't called. No, Superman. it was called Smallville, and this show was it called. It was called Lane. Right. Nobody wants to see the monsters looking like five humans with no nothing odd about them i mean even eddie izzard's character was like a guy in a beard and oh he's got a weird heart that he needs to kind of look at every now and then like it just was a you know there's such a thing as putting a spin on something and then there's something that where you just you're throwing the source material out completely yeah well what's the point of even doing this why 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 bother even doing this just just make a new show just make a new show with another family because this you 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 want the recognition of the monsters that's why you have these characters and you have the address oh you've they called it mockingbird lane instead of the monsters so this one's going to be different but then on top of which it just wasn't funny because it wasn't like sitcom funny it was meant to be sort of matter-of-factly funny and oh isn't that a strange way to make coffee or whatever and it just it just was abysmal, absolutely abysmal. Uh, I, 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 I don't have, think it was I abysmal. I like a real wacky idea. I, I it's kind of wishful fulfillment. I, I would love to see a monster a monsters movie, you know, like in present day. Uh, but you get someone edgy to direct it, like like Rob Zombie, you know. Because <laughs> well, I think you, that, David, you're because, in luck. You're in luck. Uh, uh, but I, I just wanted to say 1313 Mockingbird Lane. I watched it. I didn't hate it, but I did kind of sit there and go like, I don't get why they used the monsters either. Like, it, yeah, it's just so it's so far removed from the concept. Yeah. But we, we get into those phases where, you know, we don't want superheroes to put on the costumes. We don't want the monsters to look like monsters. And it's like, what do we want? No, no, no. But see, um, I, I would, I would, I would go further. It's not that we don't want that. The creators don't want that, or the people that go. Well, they're kind of embarrassed by it. We're, yeah. we're not going to do. We're not going to have Batman in this series, but we'll, we'll do a combination of 
the GCPD comic book and, you know, Gotham and whatever. And ooh, here, eventually second season, here comes some supervillains. Have you guys have you guys ever um, heard my son and I's concept for Kent Farm? It's Kent Farm. It's Jonathan Kent as a boy. And, you know, we never do anything that revolves around the DCU, but we hint at it. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, the harvest and the tractor breaks down and, you know, maybe occasionally like someone pulls into the farm and it turns out to be Kent Nelson or, you know, um, (laughs) That that to, that to me sounds like Gotham. Yeah, uh, well, my son and I were joking about it, and then as or, or, or I think Batman, when that Pennyworth Batman's came out, Secret Life of Alfred Pennyworth. Like, yeah, I'm when not, Pennyworth came out, my son and I went, "Oh, we better not. Talk. We should probably pitch this. It'll probably sell." <laughs> but the, yeah, but uh, the odd thing, is, the odd thing is, Pennyworth is one of the best things that DC has put on television because it's completely insane in the same way that. Uh, um, what was the other one we were talking about before that we loved so much? The uh, not the X Men, but the uh, the Squad, the 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 Misfits. Pennyworth is great because it has it has this much to do with with Batman or Gotham or anything, and it literally was like these guys going, "We'll use Pennyworth." Well, Pennyworth's background was MI6, and he was a, he was in the army, and he's a total badass. Let's see what he did before any of this stuff happened. And now they're they're subtitling it. You know, before he was the butler, whatever the fuck. But for two seasons, it was just called <laughs> And it is, it is amazing. It is an, it's written by Bruno. Isn't it Heller. called like Batman's Butler Begins now or something? Well, that's ridiculous. what they're, that's what they're doing now. Hey, they, yeah. this, this thing managed to get a third season because of the Rotten Tomato scores and because of how much people love the first two seasons. I'm telling you, it's a weird spy show. That takes place in this alternate kind of London where the bobbies and beef eaters walk around with submachine guns and there's executions, you know, in the daylight in the in the town square and the timings don't work out right. But you'll hear London calling by the clash and it's supposed to be like 1962 kind of it's very stylish. It's very strange. So that sounds like a good good show. But I what I really want to see is is all the help at Wayne Manor. We'll call it like. Yeah. Instead of oh, instead of yeah. like the crown, we'll call it the cowl, you know. Yeah, and, like, what's and, the laundry lady? She's like, there's blood again in his suit. You know? Do you know what? <laughs> you know what? If you do if you do anything and you do it well and you pitch it well and you you write it well and it's good, I don't care if it's a, about Batman's fucking dry cleaner. If it's a good show, it's a good show. But you don't you don't, take, you don't take a show about the Munster family. And turn it into something completely different that nobody wants to watch. Like it shouldn't. Like it, it's like they probably had him pitch it, and because he had so much power and weight at the time, they had to go along with it. But there should have been people in the room that went, "I don't know how this is the monsters. Why don't you just make something different? Why don't you just come up with something different? Because I don't think this is this is going to work. And it's not it's not heightened enough. I mean, I don't even know how you do a show like the monsters now because. It is so heightened. Adam's family is easy enough to do because of the dynamic of the family and the wackiness. But the Munsters is much more big and broad. So you either have to kind of do it for kids or. You have to have a laugh. It has to, it has to have its heart in the right place. Which well, brings so I, us to yes. a movie that Rob Zombie did called 
the Munsters. May, may the I Munsters. speak? May, may I speak first before Please, we? Absolutely. Because it's 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 obvious how we feel before we even talk about this. Uh, oh, we don't know that. Maybe no, not. Maybe no, not. Well, okay. well, I'd like to I've just. I've been podcast with him for eight years, and I'll tell you something. You do not know what his answer is going to be because ah. he doesn't make any sense. I wanted to give this the benefit of the doubt, especially because after seeing the the trailer and the little clips that they chose, which you should be like the cream of the crop to make it funny, even if the movie is not so good, the trailer shows off the best moments. So that's really indicative of what you're about to get. So I was really like curious to check this out at the very least and give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I think I will say that it, it I, I saw what Rob zombie was going for in terms of the color palette and the quirkiness and the sort of uh, creep show projections when you know Lily, Lily falls in love for the first time and you got hearts flying around behind her things like that I, I could see the creativity flowing where he's doing his best to make this interesting <laughs> visually I could see it I could uh -huh. see it. Uh, but and I was going with it. I was not going to be, it just wasn't that very funny, but I'm like, maybe there'll be a joke that'll hit and I'll get one good laugh. Let's see. Um, I did not finish this film because once Herman Munster arrived uh, and he was laughing at his own jokes in Herman Munster style, the laugh was so bad and so awful. And so off-putting that it was like nails on a chalkboard for me. And I felt badly, but I was just like, this is this is making it really difficult to watch. Um, and I was even forgiving the fact that they ripped off Young Frankenstein in terms of how uh, Herman appeared in terms of you getting the wrong brain. On that same note, I'll go further because I wanted to give it a chance because – I, you know, as, as we've discussed many times, Brian and I have discussed, and most of my friends know, I have this innate uh, thing, inability to trash something unless I've seen it. <laughs> and so I, I don't, you know. Fair, if I, that's fair. That's, if, I, if, that's, if I see a trailer for a show or something, I go, I think I, I, think I pretty much know what that show is going to be. I'm still going to give it a couple of episodes and then go, you know what? It's kind of what I thought, not for me, moving on. And if it ever comes up in conversation, I can say, yeah, I did watch Girls. In fact, I watched three seasons of Girls, and I've done my part, okay? It's not a good show, and this is why. So with this thing— <laughs> How did you stick out three I didn't seasons want I didn't want to sit through a trailer of the Munsters. I didn't want to sit through a trailer of the Munsters that was looked like it was put together by blind— uh, children without hands uh, underground somewhere uh, and, go, and go and go that's the movie I wanted to go maybe the trailer was kind of rushed maybe this little bit of footage that we're seeing they're going to clean it up and let's not let's not all jump to conclusions like everybody else did everywhere all over social media so I watched it now I didn't finish it either because I got to about the 40 minute point and realized it's a two hour film and at about the 40-minute point, I thought, I have so many other things to watch. There's so much else I could do. I can give my dog a bath. I can pick my nose. Any number of things. The problem with you it is— You could do those and watch So you go, you go, yeah, he didn't get to do black and white, so he made it more garish with the colors. He really went all out. Oh, okay, I'll give him that. Um, but literally in every other category, 
whether it's technical or writing or acting or blocking or or, or ADR or sound effects or, or music, fighting. in every single category, it is fucking abysmal. It is so. <laughs> it is so like I don't know what she's doing. I don't know. I don't know how this is Lily in the least. She's just doing. Oh well, I get my dumb black heart. You know, like who who is this? What are you doing? I don't know what he was doing as Herman, because it it wasn't even a an approximation of trying to sound like Herman. And he could probably do it too. He's got the the size and the stature. Well, he you know. tried to do the laugh, and that's what um, for me. Grandpa, you know, Grandpa was trying a little bit, but that didn't last. You know that he didn't really go full. Al Lewis with the thing and no one he didn't really go go all the way there. He went to Budapest to shoot this thing. It looks like it was filmed just outside, somewhere in Sherman Oaks, is kind of where the, the locations were. And the jokes were like Nickelodeon sitcom jokes from like '94. That's how bad, oh you think? You know, things like, well, there it is. Oh, you think? Yeah. And that's so you go. This isn't for kids because I because I know kids and my friends kids wouldn't sit in front of this because it's too, it, it's too dumb for them. Like, it's just this isn't so it's not really for kids. So, like, who is this abomination for? And then when they get up and do I got you, babe. Oh, you got that far. Do, OK, I got you, babe. I just went. Somebody tell me what the point of this is, because it's not funny. It, it, it's not blocked. Well, it's not shot. Well, it, it it it's just I don't know who this was for or what the point. Everybody's gonna say there's loads of people that are sort of trashing it and then going, but you know it wasn't that bad. And you know it was kind of I kind of get that he was trying to do something different and make a thing for a younger audience and blah blah blah. And it's like you know a bad movie is a bad movie. You can fall in love with it and you can say it's your new favorite thing or whatever, but. From a technical aspect, everything that was wrong with that film is only half of what's wrong with that film. Well, it was and, impressive that they released it and they didn't like hide it like a tax write-off because that seems to be the popular thing to do now. So, yeah, Warner yeah, Brothers th- and we, that girl. We get, we get a, a Scooby-Doo movie that's written by Paul Dini and this Batgirl thing, however bad that was going to be, at least Keaton was going to be in it. We can't see those, but we get this monster's atrocity uh dropped in our laps uh for free so at least it was free i couldn't even finish it at free brian point counterpoint now you have to say yeah okay well thank you for leaving me to the end um my first point about this movie and this is something that says a lot about me is i will zig when other people zag was the minute it was announced it was largely dismissed as being horrible you know, um, the minute that like, and, and, and let me just preface this by saying that I have never liked a Rob Zombie film uh, and I have not sought many out. I tried House of a Thousand Corpses. I didn't like it. Um, the idea of remaking Halloween had no appeal to me, but Halloween in itself is a is a franchise with three movies I like. And. The rest is all forgettable. So I don't really have any umbrage with Rob Zombie. I, I, he, he's never hurt me in any way. So <laughs> when 
I heard he was. Show us on the make... where Rob's Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. He, he, I, have, I have no anger towards him. And when the internet, and, you know, I'm not talking about you guys, but like when the internet's like so vitriolic and so hyperbolic about everything. And yes, I did think it was really funny that he, you know, of course he cast his wife as Lily. We all knew that was happening. Um, and, I, you know, I, 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 I chuckled at that. And then when they cast Dan Roebuck as uh, Herman, I thought, well, there's a guy. Grandpa. Pardon me? Grandpa. Dan Roebuck. Oh, sorry. Sorry. When they cast Dan Roebuck as the Count, because he's not Grandpa yet, uh, I thought, well, that's that's good casting, because not only is he an Uber fan, but he's a really good actor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had no idea who was playing Herman. And um, so I went into it with an open mind it was not helped by the worst trailer i think i've ever freaking seen um you know like full moon does better trailers than that and i don't know why they would release it with bad sound i I suspect and i don't know anything i honestly don't but i suspect that universal did not want to even pay for a slick trailer. Yeah. So like Rob Zombie made it. Rob Zombie said, I'll make it if you, you know, if you, if you release it, I'll make a trailer in, in, you know, by tomorrow or whatever. He (laughs) shouldn't have, um, because I think it did more detriment, you know? And so when it came out, I had, you know, I, my Facebook feed was full of people saying, guess what? It sucks. You know, and these were people that have been saying it was going to suck for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, well, people like to be right, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. I thought, well, I'm still going to just watch this damn thing. And I was working on the magazine and I put it on. I have two screens here and I watched it and I, I didn't hate it. Um, is it is it great? No. Did you watch uh, it with two eyes, though? Yes, I did. I'm serious. Well, I'm serious. Like, you know, sometimes when you're doing other things and you're watching it and you're like, well, this isn't so bad. But if you're like paying full attention. Yeah. No, no, no. no. I I watched it over two nights, too, uh, Mm -hmm. because I wasn't paying attention and I turned it off and and rewound it and watched it again. And um, you rewound it. Wait a minute. There's a story here. So you you recorded it on, on videotape. No, 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 no. I was, I was yeah. just using my just like I say, I tape things, David. Uh, uh, I don't actually mean I have any yeah. physical tape. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm an old person now. I'm in <laughs> AARP. I'm in the American Association of Retirement. I know. I, I, I listen to the television, too. Go on. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Like the radio. Um, and, and I also call shows by the character names like my grandma. So it's not Seinfeld. <laughs> it's Kramer. It's not Jeopardy. It's Alex. Um so basically what what um like first of all i the thing that really won me over is in like the first scene he's got a uh a, a templar knight from tombs of the blind dead mm-hmm. in the opening scene uh and this this may be where we differentiate a little bit but i actually laughed at the film because i found jorge garcia really funny uh-huh uh, i i couldn't get over the like i was expecting not to laugh but um jorge garcia and that guy playing i guess dr frankenstein were actually they had some comedic timing they weren't bad 
Mm-hmm. Um, do I think it's a technically well-made film? No, it, it's not. Um, I like what he was trying to do. And in the back of my mind, I kept thinking the Wands brothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, I had that kind of weighing me down. It took me a long time to get used to the Herman guy. And this is where we differentiate. When you're doing a, a reboot of a movie like Star Trek, or you're you're doing the monsters or anything like that, you can get caught into doing like complete imitations of the characters. You know, where it's or you could just try and do it your own way. And I think that the J.J. Abrams Star Trek cast nailed it where they were it was homage, but they were doing it in their own voice. Well, but here's the flaw to that plan where this is concerned. So let's say he doesn't he doesn't choose to do Herman. He doesn't choose to go, well, and put his voice there or something. Instead, (laughs) is that your Hamptons voice? (laughs) Instead, he's doing this like like, I don't know, I'm going to get home. I don't know what he was doing. It wasn't funny. It didn't work. It, it didn't make any sense. She she had no like, con, you know, solid, like controlling kind of voice that, you know, an, a, an essence of kind of who Lily. I mean, if you want to completely not seem like the character from the show, you know, completely, then they both did it. They both don't seem. So, I mean, again, you just go, what is the point of this? Well, this is supposed to be an origin story, too. And I know that that that's good or bad, but that's bad. I, I'm. I, I, first of all, have never seen uh, Cheryl Zombie. Is that her name? Cheryl Zombie? Sherry Moon Zombie. Sherry Moon Zombie. I've never seen her in anything, and I had no expectations of her whatsoever. Um, and I thought she was, um, I thought she was okay as Lilia. I think the film really suffers in editing. And it, it, it suffers in the look too. I mean, it, it looks like oh, it's I like. I think it looks gorgeous. Uh, I personally. think the, col- the colors look okay, but it looks like it's shot on videotape. Well, it's it, a low it, budget film, and that's another that, you know. That, yeah, you can't. You can't. There's so many low budget films for that are made for less than this thing. It it just it looks cheap. It, that's one of the things that people say is it. It's they're shocked that Universal you know, however small the budget was, like put their, said, here, we're going to make a new franchise, go to it. Because this is, yeah, and I, I don't think this is best. This, put this forward also for could be kind of like a, a Roger Corman fantastic for, we got to crank something out to maintain the rights Not, situation also. That would make uh, complete sense. And, and I, I, I fundamentally boil this down to uh i really i don't know why i I feel like it's like an underdog situation so i want to be like you know rob zombie tried but i think fundamentally he's not a comedy director uh i would agree with you on that and and so the writing i think it, it lives or dies with the script that they got whoever they got to write it uh this was not a funny script. Well, he's handed something where he's just really heavy handed with everything he he does because the the monsters are incredibly broad with their humor. 
And so he's trying to uh, echo the original show, but, you know, converging with this script that is just from another time and another wastebasket, it just didn't work. Well, I've seen I've seen more of his films than I care, I care to admit. But again, it's to be able to go, yeah, I saw House of a Thousand. Qu-. Yes, I saw that one. No, no, they're not good. No, and the remake. Yeah, is- well, I, I, but, I you always know, call he- him like a faux finish director. Like he's trying to do that faux grunge or faux grindhouse look to it. You know, that simulated flavoring. Yeah, I and get that. that I don't tra- like that. He's making kind of exploitation flicks is what he's doing. That's yeah, kind of but, I mean, you can't you can't make the Texas Chainsaw Massacre using filters. You you have to actually I, like I, I agree. But yeah, the thing is, he I think and I think he co-wrote or wrote most of those as well. But, you know, he wrote this. Now, if if he if he could have gotten a couple of people that love the monsters and they kind of get how the jokes went. Or, or, you know, there's a rhythm to the jokes in the monsters. There's a rhythm, rhythm to the absurdity and how you're riffing on monster tropes and eating weird things or whatever. You could get a couple of guys to come in and knock out a script, but that's not what he did. And, it, and if you had something funny, this could have looked bad and sounded bad and had bad music and bad direction and bad blocking and bad acting, all the above. <laughs> if there was and it did and it did but if it had a, a, a decent script or a semi-solid script that kind of went somewhere and that was was you know funny actually had jokes in it or funny bits in it and, and also might have been i don't know hour and 10 minutes maybe I, I i think it needed a laugh track uh and that would have helped um, I also feel like that, that, I think I think that applies to M Night Shyamalan's The Happening. That needs a laugh track. <laughs> yeah, they, they said that about World War II too. Just bring a laugh track, and it's a completely different story. <laughs> but um, um, gen, gents, my family is hungry and waiting for me, and I'm enjoying this conversation. But I do need to wrap it up soon. But you guys can continue on. Well, you guys, um, oh yeah, do the monsters for your Friday night Friday night movie tonight with the family. Yeah, I, well, I did. I had it on and they had the opportunity to watch because both were in in the in my orbit while I said, I'm going to watch this. <laughs> and my kid just was not interested. He was playing his video, you know, playing Roblox. And uh, and my wife just was doing things in the kitchen where normally she probably didn't want to be. But she was, I think she felt safer there. So. <laughs> Um, and then I, 40 minutes, 40 minutes in, I turned it off and I just said, I just can't anymore. And they said, wasn't that good? Was it? And I said, nope, nope. And they said, oh, okay. Yeah. Like yeah. it wasn't. And, and, and I, I, here's the, I'll say one last time. I don't like to crap on something like many people. I'm not saying you guys, I'm just saying many, it, we've been talking about this. A lot of people decided this was terrible before they even saw it. Um, but so I, I do want to sort of defend the concept a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> at face value, I think we can all agree that it, it, uh, it missed the mark, but I, will the mark, but I found it very sweet and I could see the love for the property there. And see, I respect that. I didn't, I didn't, honestly, I'm not, I'm not being contrarian here. I didn't even see the love for what the monsters were. That's my point. I, it's supposed to be this thing that he loves so much. And it was like, you've mishandled everything about it and all the characters. So I don't know. 
I didn't see lovingly portrayed, you know, what made Herman kind of charming in the show and, and, you know, her kind of, Oh, Herman, now come on, you know, being in charge. And even the relationship between her and, and grandpa was weird. Like none of it felt like the show. And well, the thing, the thing is, the, the conceit was, uh, I know you guys know this, but the conceit was they took the brain of a guy who told bad jokes, yes. who already was sort of ridiculed for being you know, terrible on stage or whatever. Yeah. Um, what did he, he killed himself on stage because he was heckled so much. I can't remember what it was, but, <laughs> yeah, it was, but, but using so that fun. brain for your main character where it's just a steady stream of bad jokes from the guy that we wish wasn't around anyway. Um, that's, I think, the, one of the big problems. But I will say, I, I really did, if I wanted to say I enjoyed one thing as, with as much as I did see, uh, I could see Rob Zombie really getting into the part where he's in like this cavern club punk band. And yeah. uh, I, I did like that part. And I liked when he was <laughs> telling jokes and, and still- rocking out. When they show the, the comedian before he dies, he's, it's the same dude in a dime store wig glasses and like big buck teeth going oh well, i'll tell you something <laughs> what happens when you go to the thing <laughs> like that's on the screen as the newscasters telling the story about this this comic it's just it's it's bizarre but i will say this if i'm going to say something good i'll say this it's better than that marilyn monroe film on netflix called blonde Ah, I haven't. I, I'm afraid to. I will. I will. I wanted to see it, and now I'm afraid to go near it based on what just, people are saying. Just atrocious and exploitation, and just disgusting. And I can't. And and that movie's two hours and forty five minutes, and I couldn't finish that either. But it is beyond belief bad. So the monsters <laughs> is better. Put it that way. Well, I'm sure they'll put that on the DVD. Yeah, that'll be on the box. <laughs> exactly. My special box. Pundit Jason Lindsay says, it's an abomination. I believe he's a wag. <laughs> it's, an ab- it's an abomination, but it's better than that Marilyn Monroe thing. <laughs> All right, there you oh, go. Oh, I was talking about the Marilyn Monroe box. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Sorry. There you go. But, uh, guys, guys, it's it's an absolute pleasure, and I hate to depart oh, yeah. it's a, it's early. A trip. Uh, yeah, no I, worries, I, man. I, 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 I can see I can see my family staring at me through my wall. So um, say hi yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I appreciate an opportunity to to plug uh, In Search of Darkness Part Three at eightieshorrordoc.com. Uh, but regardless of any excuse to sit with you, whether it's uh, to plug a movie or just to hang out, uh, I'm always honored to be third chair when you guys allow me to, and it's always fun socially to hang out with guys who know what the hell I'm talking about, and vice versa, um, because I, I don't, I don't, I don't have that social life these days, so it's nice. You're always welcome here, sir. Yeah, thank you for making the time. <laughs> always welcome. We'll do it again. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Um, I guess that's our look at the monsters, and uh, I want to say thanks to David and uh, Jason, uh, as always, but you're both wrong. It was an okay film. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'll hang up on both of you and just do a rant after. You know, though, wait, it, uh, just, I mean, in all seriousness, it would, it would, if we all agreed that it was bad, then it's not fun. You know, and yeah, so no, no, absolutely. And, and I knew point, this point was going count. to be conflict. After I watched it, I was like, I was all right. I mean, it wasn't the greatest thing. But, ever, but, but to be fair, to be fair, and I say this in the most loving way possible, 
Brian Brian does like the underdog, and Brian Brian does like stuff that's not polished and put together. You have a soft spot yeah. for those things, and oh yeah, so absolutely. Just, it's I like, heard an, I listened listened to part of an episode a while back where I was talking about I asked about Constantine, the TV show. You hated it. You hated the guy. You couldn't take his voice. And the next thing that came up was Popeye, and I was trashing Popeye, and you go, oh, I love Popeye. <laughs> You know oh. what, guys? I, I watched Transylvania 6 5000 last I night. I love Popeye. So oh. that's, and that's I watched what, it twice with commentary and without. You're talking so. about that, Robert Altman's Popeye? Yes. yes. Yeah. The I'll only just say one thing, and then I really do have to go, but I, I just remember seeing that in the theater, and I remember being very excited because I watch Popeye cartoons all the time, and I just did, I, not, I just did not understand why he didn't want or like spinach. Like it, it, it just went over my head that that was a joke. I was just like, why do we have to wait till the end for the big spinach fight? You know, it, I, I, I didn't get. It. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Brian likes ridiculous. Brian likes the songs in Popeye. Even Gary like Nilsson didn't like the songs in Popeye, and he wrote them. Well, what's the song? What's the song? He loves me, or he, you know, that. Um, but he's uh, large. But he's large. I don't like. All the songs in Popeye. I just well, there's there's one sweet love song that Olive Oil sings that Shelley Duvall sings that right. I think is sweet. He loves me or something like that. And uh, anyway, I anyway that's kind of who Brian is. So Brian Brian yeah. tends to when everyone else goes left, he goes well, but it wasn't yep. that bad. So I kind of expected that, but <laughs> I, I can no longer pull my punches. <laughs> the movie ends. Okay, I will say something negative. The movie has the, like a stupid ending. It's well, at least you got ends. to the ending. Congratulations. Yeah, I did, and and I won't tell you guys what it is because I want to keep you in suspense. But you go, really? That's how it ends. That's weird. I did hear uh, something about this that it just abruptly ends or something, and you go, what? it just you just sort of go, really? That's that, <laughs> like it has that plot of every. Um, sitcom movie of the 90s where some you know like the beverly hillbillies or someone's trying to rip them off and um they get ripped off and then there's redemption at the end but the redemption comes from a really bit of lazy writing like you're just like really that's how it ends like, mark my words in someday the truth is going to come out about this movie because it, it ain't it ain't supposed to have been exactly what it was someday okay. we're going to find out I think I think it it was made to to keep the uh, keep the property. I, I think you might be right, man. I think that's a pretty that's a pretty good assumption. It would make a lot of fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> Gents, on that note, I'm going to say so big are adieu. We. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. This was a real blast. Happy right. spooky season, everybody. Happy Thank you Halloween, so much. guys. Happy Halloween. Cheers. Bye.